It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 415 for October 19th, 2014. This week, drowning in a sea of new Adobe products, I grabbed the latest version of Photoshop Elements for a closer examination. My favorite Mac FTP program comes to Windows, and in short circuits, the double Irish may come to an end, tablet sales are poised to rise more slowly, the New York Times reports that Russian hackers are taking advantage of a Windows flaw, and I'll share a few whispers about TechBiter 2015. Within the past month, Adobe has released a new version of Photoshop Elements, released a new version of Premiere Elements, updated every application in Creative Cloud. Now, that would be Photoshop Lightroom, Premiere, InDesign, After Effects, Illustrator, Audition, Dreamweaver, Muse, Flash, Acrobat, Bridge, Bridge Animate, Edge Code, Edge Inspect, Edge Reflow, Fireworks, Flash Builder, InCopy, Prelude, Media Encoder, Scout, Speedgrade, Story Plus, and more. And the company's also released nine new or updated mobile apps. Every time I begin to think I might catch up with reviews of various Adobe products, I find that I'm once again up to my kneecaps in new material. By the way, this should in no way be considered a complaint. In fact, Adobe seems to be trying single-handedly to keep me from running out of things to talk about. There's no question that Lightroom and Photoshop offer considerably more power than Photoshop Elements, but the Elements application continues to house increasingly robust features under its modest exterior. This isn't the first time I've suspected that Adobe's management insists that increasingly powerful features be pushed toward the consumer applications so that the developers who are working on the professional applications feel a little more pressure to create even more amazing tools. So let's start with the organizer, which is the equivalent of bridge in the Creative Cloud environment. You have the option of going to the organizer or the editor when you open the program. The organizer has a new look that uses less space to show more pictures by pushing them all together. If you prefer the old way, which gives you more information, you can switch back by selecting the Details view. Face tagging and geotagging options are included, and you can rate images or add captions, but the organizer's job is mainly what its name suggests, and the organizer includes four primary modes for organizing images. These are media, people, places, and events. In addition to importing images from disks, memory cards, and cameras, the organizer can also accept images from a scanner. A timeline feature that can be revealed at the top of the screen is a clever way to locate images if you know approximately when they were made. The organizer also offers a face recognition feature that can be connected to Facebook. If the image you want to edit is in Camera Raw format, it'll first pass through Adobe Camera Raw to allow some of the standard modifications that Camera Raw provides. Not all of the adjustments available in the Creative Cloud version of Camera Raw are present, nor should they be in a consumer-grade product. 
After opening an image, the first order of business is often cropping for better composition. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website. You'll see the image that I'm working with. When users select the Crop tool, Photoshop Elements will provide four suggested crops based on its analysis of the image. In the case I'll show you on the TechBiter Worldwide website, the third suggestion was the one I thought that worked best, but then I modified it a bit to slightly reduce some empty space at the top of the image. The result, I think, is a pleasing composition with flowers placed to avoid a static boring right in the middle of the picture look. Then you get into editing. The quick editor view offers a limited number of tools on the left side of the screen and four general options on the right. Adjustments, which includes smart fix, exposure, lighting, color, balance, and sharpen. Effects, which has tint, seasons, pencil, sketch, toy camera, and more. Textures and frames. Quick is intended for new users or for those who prefer not to learn a lot about how to use the tool. Its easy-to-use interface gives users quite a bit of power. Most users, though, will outgrow it and reach eventually for the guided editor. The guided interface might be a bit deceiving. Even fewer tools exist on the left, and the right column has only four options. Touch-ups, photo effects, camera effects, and photo play. Open one, though, and you'll immediately see that there's a lot that can be done here. Consider Out of Bounds. That's the one I'm going to show on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Step-by-step -step instructions are provided in the right panel. All you have to do is read them, follow the directions, and a few moments later, you'll be done. Now, you may notice a problem with the image that I show on the TechBiter Worldwide website, but that's what the expert interface is for. When I selected the flowers that I wanted to pop out of the frame, the selection was a little rough, but that really isn't the problem. The big problem is that I should have allowed a flower that's right in the middle of the frame to extend outside the frame. Rather than go back and do it all over again, I decided to flip over into expert mode and just edit the mask. After editing the mask, the flower that I should have extended beyond the frame did so. The guided and expert interfaces work very well together with Guided being used to set up the effect you're looking for, and Expert being used to refine and finish the job. And this is where the late-night TV announcer would say, But wait, there's more! PhotoMerge isn't exactly new. But it has received some serious attention from Adobe's developers. PhotoMerge GroupShot allows you to combine two or more pictures to create a group shot. So, for example, you have two or three or four pictures of a posed group, and somebody looks bad in every single picture. This feature will allow you to combine people from one image into another image. Or maybe you have two pictures of an individual. In one, the person's smile is just perfect, but the eyes are closed. In the other, the eyes are open, but the expression is miserable. Yes, PhotoMerge makes it possible to combine images just like that. There are lots of other possibilities, including removing people from images and creating high dynamic range photos. These are not tools that you typically find in consumer-grade applications. Photo Merge Compose is new. 
and it needs more than just a few words and some static shots to show how it works. Adobe's scrapbooking expert, Linda Statgast, put together a nine-minute video showing how it works. You'll find that video on the TechBiter Worldwide website. She used beta software, and she mentions a couple of problems that Adobe resolved before shipping the final version. Linda is, of course, an expert, and she makes the process look very easy in that nine-minute video. But what's surprising is this. If you pay attention, read the instructions, and avoid rushing the process, you'll find that it's every bit as easy as the video makes it seem. There's a lot more in this new version of Photoshop Elements. If you don't need pixel-level editing that Photoshop CC provides, but you want to create effects that aren't possible with Lightroom, this is your application. Bottom line, five cats. Quick, easy to use, and priced right. As I said at the outset, Photoshop Elements is not Photoshop CC. Photoshop is a complex application with functionality that cannot be learned without extensive study and practice. Photoshop Elements brings many of the high-powered features to a low-cost application that's easy to use. I said low-cost? Well, here's what you'd expect to pay. A hundred bucks or so for Photoshop Elements, 150 bucks for Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements, or if you have previous versions and you want to upgrade, lower those prices to about 80 or $120. You'll find additional details on the Adobe website, and a link to the Adobe website is on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Mac software that's ported to Windows machines is often somewhat less than stellar, and one of the better file transfer protocol applications for the Mac seems to continue that trend under Windows. It's not that CyberDuck fails to perform well, but that native Windows applications seem to perform better. CyberDuck is an open-sourced browser for FTP, SFTP, web-distributed authoring and versioning, cloud files, Google Docs, and Amazon S3. The addition of those non-FTP features means that it offers more than applications such as FileZilla, which is only an FTP client. Where FileZilla displays side-by-side -side representations of local files and network files, CyberDuck shows only the network files, and the upload function opens a dialog box. The user can select multiple files by using Shift and Control keys. Those are standard Windows operations, but I find the side-by-side -side view to be both more understandable and more usable. Although the application is open source, the author nags users rather frequently to donate. FileZilla mentions payments only when new versions are released, but then again new versions are released frequently, so maybe there's not a lot of difference on that point. CyberDuck for Windows offers to install Bonjour, which is Apple's implementation of zero-configuration networking. It's also not a service that I want to have running on any of my computers. It includes service discovery, address assignment, and host name resolution by locating devices such as printers, other computers, and services. The CyberDuck installer also downloads and installs Microsoft Net Framework 4 Client Profile. It does so without asking. And although Net Framework is useful and may actually already be installed on your computer, 
Downloading and installing anything without notice is not what I consider to be good behavior. Once installed, CyberDuck works well, and as I alluded to, it was my favorite FTP application when I was still running a few Macs. For Windows machines, though, there are better options. CyberDuck makes it possible to open files in an external program. This lets you open a network-based file in a text editor to correct a typo, for example, and then to save the change back to the network. The application supports public key encryption to a variety of text encodings. It has the ability to synchronize files and folders between local and network locations. There's also an option to throttle bandwidth usage during file transfers so that your entire internet connection isn't consumed. So the bottom line for CyberDuck is three cats. The best FTP application for Macs is okay on Windows machines. Now, Three Cats is a respectable rating. It works. CyberDuck was one of my favorites on the Mac, but on the PC it seems to be an also-ran. Mac users who have migrated to Windows machines will find it comfortably familiar. I, I feel like I'm damning this application with faint praise, but that's really not my intent. You'll find more information about CyberDuck on the CyberDuck website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. In short circuits, Ireland has been a tax haven for many U.S. high-tech companies, but that's about to come to an end. The practice of stuffing millions or billions of dollars into an Irish subsidiary is perfectly legal, but in my view it is also totally reprehensible. The double Irish will eventually end. Irish Finance Minister Michael Noonan released the government's 2015 budget this week, and he said... I am abolishing the ability of companies to use the double Irish by changing our residency rules to require all companies registered in Ireland to also be tax resident. As of January 1, 2015, new companies will have to follow this new rule. But, surprise, surprise here, companies who are currently taking advantage of the tax trick will have until the end of 2020. Five full years to find some other way to avoid paying tax. And it's not fly-by-night operations that take advantage of the double Irish. Companies using the tax dodge include Apple, Amazon, Adobe, Microsoft, and Google. And some of these companies reduce their tax bills by billions per year with that trick. A difference can exist between legal and ethical. As people become more aware of the double Irish, many have begun to question the ethics of incorporating in Ireland solely to avoid paying taxes on billions of dollars of revenue in the United States. It works this way. A company creates a subsidiary in Ireland and then sells or licenses foreign rights to its intellectual property to that Irish subsidiary. As a result, all overseas sales are credited to that subsidiary and the income is not taxed in the United States, where the corporation is located. Google, for example, licenses its intellectual property to Google Ireland Holdings. Now, you might think this company would be headquartered in Ireland, but you would be wrong. It's actually headquartered in Bermuda. Bermuda's corporate tax rate? Zero. So it doesn't pay tax in Ireland, 
and it doesn't pay tax in the United States on foreign sales. The new rules in Ireland would at least force Google to pay Irish taxes, even if the company is legally headquartered in Bermuda. Entirely legal. There's been so much talk about how tablets are going to take over from computers any day now that the latest from Gartner Research may seem like a bit of a surprise. Tablet sales are down. Well, maybe not down. More accurately, they're not increasing as quickly as they had been, so the perception is that they're down. Still, the growth is impressive. Last year, tablet sales grew by 55% year over year. That kind of growth is clearly not sustainable. Gartner says that about 229 million tablets will be sold this year in the United States, and about 2.4 billion devices will be sold worldwide in 2014. The increase next year is expected to be modest, only an extra 100 million or so. Overall, PC sales continue to decline, but more slowly now. The big winner seems to be handheld devices, particularly Android devices. Gartner predicts that Android devices will account for about 51% of all computers sold in 2014. Because of its reliance on Android, Samsung is the leader, followed by Apple and then Nokia. The high-tech research firm notes that the trend toward handheld devices will be particularly apparent in emerging markets, Emerging markets are those areas outside the United States, Western Europe, and Japan. And the category known as Ultra Mobile, those are the devices that are bigger than a phone but smaller than a full tablet, those are the ones that should be the primary winners in 2015. Sales are expected to double. That's something that can happen only when it's early in a product category's life cycle. It's relatively easy, or at least easier, to double year-over-year -year sales early on. Later, not so much. And the ultramobiles seem to be pretty durable. Users aren't replacing them as quickly as they replace a lot of other devices. Apple holds second place behind Samsung with about 10% of the market. Nokia's Windows phones are in third place, followed by Lenovo. Samsung's sales have been slowing, though, and Apple's have been recovering. The real promise seems to be in those emerging markets, and that's where the established manufacturers are going to need to compete with companies such as China's Xiaomi and Huawei. Both of those have already started selling electronic devices outside of China. An article in the New York Times this week says that Russian hackers have been able to spy on NATO, the government in Ukraine, and other Western nations because of a bug in Microsoft Windows. The account by Mike Scotthock quotes a report from the Dallas security firm iSight Partners. What isn't yet clear is the type and amount of information that might have been compromised, but the intent appears to have been information gathering regarding the tense situation in Ukraine. 
While it's unclear what type of information may have been retrieved, Skatok's report says spying included the NATO summit meeting in Wales early in September, at which Russian hackers targeted the Ukrainian government and at least one American organization. This isn't a new bug that's being exploited, though. The account says it's been known since 2009, and it was present in Windows Vista. It continues to be present in Windows 8.1. Many recent attacks have been traced back to Russian hackers, including the well-known breach at Target and a more recent attack that exposed data from J.P. Morgan. That recent exploit revealed banking information belonging to about 76 million households and some 7 million small businesses. You'll find the full account on the New York Times website, and you'll find a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Here's a quick peek at 2015. Every year or two, I update the TechBiter Worldwide website. Sometimes the updates are pretty modest and barely visible. In other cases, there are significant changes. For 2015, well, the update is huge. Everything is going to change. And I'm pretty excited about it. A few weeks ago, I provided a link to a sample page because I thought that was the direction I'd be taking with next year's redesign. Since then, I've decided to scrap just about everything and evolve to better design, both responsive and adaptive. There'll be new graphics, updated music, a new theme, and more. The new site design is probably about 80% feature complete at this point. I've selected the new graphics. The new theme and bumpers are on the calendar for production by the end of the month. So stick around for January. Right now, fun times around here. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.